This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. A lot of Christians, they're Christians by name. They do the church thing, they do the church shuffle, they speak Christianese, they carry a Bible if that, or they go in cycles because they're not trusting the Lord, they're double-minded, they have their world out there and not in the Lord. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters, but either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he would be loyal to one and despise the other. Have you ever met a double-minded Christian? They may have true faith in Jesus, but there's a part of them that still relies on worldly things to meet their needs. In today's message, Pastor Eddie warns you against being like one of these people. Don't trust things of the world to meet your needs, because the world will eventually crumble away. Instead, put your trust in Jesus, because the kingdom of heaven can be relied on for all eternity. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of James chapter 1 as he continues his message, Faith and Endurance. God's goal for your life, my life, and for every believer is so that we may grow and mature in Him and that's what the work of the Holy Spirit does. It fashions us and molds us to make us look like Jesus, talk like Jesus, walk like Jesus. And trials, they're there for a reason. Maturity only comes when you've been tested. Maturity only comes when you trust in the Lord. And you know that. Many of us have been Christians for a long time. We go through that cycle, right? You know, we, we, we're like... We run up to the wave of the, the beach, and then we run back. We run, it's, it's, we're like that tumbleweed in, in the Western story. It just, there's no root. It just keeps tumbling. It goes around because it doesn't have root in the Lord. And our relationship with God and, and our maturity is a cycle. It never, we never get to that point where we need to just stay on that step, trust in the Lord, even if you're going through trials, and let him build you up so you can take the next step. We want to fix it ourselves. But what God is doing in your life is like into a, a jeweler who takes gold uh, to refine the gold, to refine his fire. He refines the gold. He burns the gold until all the, dro- the dross comes off, all the things that, are, that is not gold, so it'll be pure gold. And it has to go through the fire. It has to go through the fire. It has to be burned off. And in the same way for you and I, when fiery trials come our way, burned away by faith, that dross is being burnt out. By faith, we remain and we go through the fire and we are being made perfect, complete, lacking nothing. And that's what trials do for you and I as believers in Christ. We handle trials differently. We put on the full armor of God. The world doesn't know that. The world doesn't have that. That's why we need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So they would be born again Enter the kingdom of heaven, but as they grow, they learn. Hey, you know, you're going to all these experts. You're buying all these books. You're taking all this medication, and you have no joy. 
You may have happiness. Happiness is temporary. Happiness is, okay, I hit a home run. Okay, great. But the next time up to bat for the next three or five times, I struck out. There's no more happiness. It's joy in Christ. Joy is permanent because Christ is everlasting. He's in our hearts. So that's why it's a difference. We have this. They don't. We handle trials and tribulations differently. But think about it. How, of those that are around you that don't know Jesus, your family, your friends, your neighbors, and they see how you handle it, they're going to say, I, gotta, I want what you have. What are you drinking? Oh, I'm reading the word of God. So now, the Lord knows that we need discernment. As we go through the trials, then we know. Why we rejoice? Why? Because, you know, testing of our faith builds endurance. We made perfect, complete, lacking nothing. But, you know, as we go through this, it's not like we just sit back. Sometimes, you know, we, we seek God for wisdom, discernment. There's more. And we have that. Look what it says in verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, and we do, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Okay, now, quite often when we try to deal with the issues ourselves, now we know what we have to do. Rejoice, right? We know, we, we know what we have to do in verses 2, 3, and 4. But, you know, sometimes we, we, we want to seek wisdom. We need help at this moment. I need to understand where to go from here. And quite often, you know, we, use, we, we go to friends, we go to family, we go to coworkers, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Proverbs tells us in the, amongst the council there's wisdom, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. However, should it not be the Lord first? No, God sees everything. Your friends can only give you some advice. Sometimes they give you advice like if, and advice that they themselves won't take. They don't know what it's like because they don't see the end from the beginning. Well, you ask your friend, you know what? My boss is not treating me right. He's abusing me as an, as an employee. He's abusing me in employer abuse. And you get friends who say, you know what? Get a union rep. Or report him to the Department of Labor. Better yet, cut down on your work performance. Call in sick. How about this? Just leave the job. How many of us have heard those kind of, right, when, when it comes to work? That's earthly wisdom. That's earthly wisdom. However, the wisdom we seek is wisdom from above. Wisdom from above, which is far better. Look at what James writes in chapter 3. James chapter 3, verse 17. James writes this. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. That's the important thing. Then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, Without partiality, without hypocrisy. That's the kind of counsel I want. And that's heavenly counsel. I can't tell you how often people will say, well, you know, I, I listened to this person and they said this, but they go to church. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. I tell you to test everything I tell you, everything I teach. I'll say, hey, study it. That's why we open the Bible together. Don't believe everything I say. Paul, he really was happy with the, the Bereans. He said, the Bereans, every time I taught, they were looking to search and see what I said was true. So much honor that they, received, that they received from Paul that is in the Bible, that we read it today. It's in a perfect example. But the wisdom that I want in the midst of my trials, when I lack wisdom in this sermon and how to go about and deal with my trials and tribulations, is the Lord's. It's the Lord. 
You know, we seek the Lord's wisdom in trials as we do that. Here's another thing. Here's the benefit of this. Not only the benefit of trials, you know, test our faith, which helps produce endurance, makes us perfect, complete, lacking nothing. But something else happens when we seek the Lord and we follow verse 5, seek wisdom. We draw closer and closer to the Lord. We're at the feet of Jesus. We're in prayer. We're praying about everything. And I think every trial that we go through, don't we pray for it? We pray for it. We should. And, and, and in, not only are you seeking the Lord, you're rejoicing, but your attitude change, your focus change, you're not handling your trials and tribulations like you usually would. But something happens when you seek the wisdom of God. You draw closer to him. And he draws closer to you. James tells us in James chapter 4, verse 8, draw near to God, and he, maybe, no, he will draw near to you. And so there is something that we need to remember. In the midst of trials, not only do we rejoice, because God is going to build us up. Something's going to happen. <laughs> You know, not only is our faith being refined, tested, we're, we're growing in our faith, and, and that faith is going to produce endurance to deal with anything else that comes after that. We're being perfect, complete, lacking nothing. But the important thing is, and we do pray for these things, full wisdom and everything, is faith. Faith. We need to ask the Lord for wisdom, discernment in our tribes in faith. Look what it says in verses 6 and 7. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Verse 7, but let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. <laughs> Very simple. Simply put, James is one he shoots from the hip. James is telling you right there, boom, there you go. You don't, you don't ask by faith. You're not going to receive anything. Oh, but I go to church. Oh, but the Lord knows my heart. Yes. Even Jeremiah said, the hardest defeat, deceitful, who can know it? <laughs> Wicked. Right? But God, honor his word. And you need faith. You use faith to, for salvation. You've been born again. You're a new creation in Christ. You're a child of Christ. You're sons and daughters now, but we, not, we need now to continue to live and walk in faith. And everything we ask in faith. In other words, when you pray for wisdom and discernment, that attitude has to go out the window. If someone is causing you to have an attitude, you need to love them. Here's a secret. You want to know how to love your enemies? Pray for them. That's, that's not a secret, but Jesus said, hey, pray for your enemies. The more you start praying for that person, the more you start loving them. Don't pray for the Lord to take him out of this planet. God is not going to listen to that. It's the wrong heart. Pray for them. Pray for them. And that's what God does. We pray. We pray. But we pray now here. We pray in faith. It's without faith. What happened is you can go, you be so consumed with your trials and you haven't really rejoiced, number one. You try to skip the rejoicing. You haven't allowed your, test, your faith to be tested. You skip that. You're not enduring because you skip the joy and the faith, and you skip everything through, and now you're going to say, I'm going to pray for wisdom. And what happened? You have the wrong heart. 
Are you rejoicing? No, I'm still angry at this guy. I'm going to pray. <laughs> Lord, his bike has two wheels. Just remove one. You know, you start praying. Wrong heart. But we need to pray in faith. So in other words, when you pray in faith, you're letting all those things out. And you're allowing God to say, hey, Lord, I believe you're going you're gonna to work in this. I believe that during these trials and tribulations, you know, I can't wait to see what you're going to do in my life. I'm going to grow in my faith. I'm going to draw closer to you. And, Lord, that's what I want. I want to honor you with my life. I surrender my life to you. And I just need a, just less of me and more of you. I, I, I just want you, Lord. And I'm excited. I just can't wait to see how you're going to deal with this. But more importantly, how are you going to work in me? How am I growing my faith? So when you think of trials, grow in faith. So ask in faith. And let's get verse 8. Continue about this one that prays and doubting. He said, he is a double-minded man. A double-minded man and unstable in all his ways. Double-minded means, in the Greek it means to have two souls. It's a double soul. Now we all know we only have one soul. You don't have two souls, okay? One soul. But in the same way you don't have two minds. You have only one. So he's talking about the soul. This is a person that tries to live two contradictory lifestyles. That's what he's talking about. One with God and then one in the world. That's why he's not asking in faith. He probably is looking at how the world is telling him how to deal with trials and tribulation. That's why he's not asking in faith. Trusting in the Lord. Double-mindedness, one on God and one on the world. And this is why it's so important for us to set our mind on him, to focus on there. A lot of Christians, they're Christians by name. They do the church thing. They do the church shuffle. They speak Christianese. They carry a Bible, if that. But they go in cycles because they're not trusting. Well, they're double-minded. They have their world out there and not in the Lord. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters. But either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he would be loyal to one and despise the other. You can only serve one master. You can't be double-minded. Faith in Christ Jesus alone. In fact, Hebrew tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, but without faith, it is impossible. I mean, there's no way. It's impossible to please him. But he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so, saints, this is why we rejoice. How many are going to rejoice during trials? You all should raise your hand. Yeah. I, you know what? You know what it is? It's, it's, it's automatic. We think trials. Hmm. No, you're still thinking the wrong way now. I just gave you. I just taught you the word. How many are going to rejoice in trials? Come on. There we go. You have the, you have the, the why and the how. The why and the how is going to make you uh, a better Christian. You're going to grow in your faith. You're going to be closer to the Lord. Well, we looked at verses 2 to 8 and how and why we should be joyful in trials. And we realized that, hey, we benefit from trials. We grow in trials. It refines us. It builds us. It draws us closer to God. If we need wisdom, he gives us wisdom. Now let's look at the perspective of, of, of the poor and the rich when it comes to trials. You know? Poor and rich. They go through trials. Let's see what, what, what the writer has to say. Verse 9. He says, let the lowly brother or the poor uh, glory in his exhortation. Let the poor. So uh, the perspective from the poor is, is even though he doesn't have much, he doesn't have much, he glories in the fact 
that God exalted him. See, he is exalted. Low to exalted. And he allows, he allows him to experience difficult circumstances, but only uh, through Christ and through the Lord. So he glories. Let the lowly brother glory in his exhortation. That doesn't mean that, you know, those are poor. We always have this, this thought, this, this, thing, this perspective on poor and rich all the time. And it's something that's believers, we need to erase that. It doesn't matter if they're rich or poor. It's either they're born again or they're not. They receive Christ or not because they're going to die. And we all, the grave is all the same. Tombstone might be fancy, might be big, but it's all, we're all going, see, the body's going six feet under, right? We're all going to stand before the Lord, rich or poor. As a matter of fact, sometimes I think the poor sin when it comes to money because they always want. If I had a dollar in a dream, I play lotto. Oh, I wish. Oh, and then you covet what the rich has. We always tend to think that the, the rich are the ones that are always sinning. No, that's not the case. It's the heart. So the low man glories in the fact that God has exalted him by allowing him to experience difficult circumstances. Now let's look at the rich. Verse 10, but the rich in his humiliation, being humble, he realized the life that he lives, that all the money he has won't buy him happiness. I had a close friend of mine. He was a retired New Jersey state trooper. And that time I was the president of Police Officer of Christ. So I met a lot of Christian police officers, not Christian by name, but really believe in Jesus Christ. And um, he retired, but he was a bodyguard for Forbes. And he invited me, and they, he, his, uh, Forbes was having, um, he has a big yacht. And he was just honoring law enforcement. And of course, it was a lot of high brass. I was the only one that was nobody. <laughs> but only because he was the bodyguard, he invited me. So I got the invite. And uh, we're talking about a yacht that had a helicopter on the top. It had two motorcycles, two boats, and two speed, you know, water, uh, jet skis. And we were just talking. I said, man, you know, I just felt uncomfortable being there. But we started to talk, and we said, you know what? All this for nothing. It's a job for me. But he actually saved his life because he wanted to commit suicide. He had everything. Forbes was the one that coined the phrase that says, he who dies with the most toys wins. But money would not make anyone happy. The rich man knows to put that aside and say, you know what? I'm just like everybody else. I have trials and tribulations, and money can't buy me happiness. Money will not help me through this trial. And that's the perspective of the, the rich. He goes on to say, let's read 10. But the rich, in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. Verse 11, for no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat that it withers the grass, its flower falls, and its beauty, beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. It doesn't matter. They have problems just like we do. Everyone, doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. 
But we as believers in Christ, we are filthy rich. <laughs> we have Jesus Christ. All this would burn, right? It's going to perish. Hey, we're going to heaven. Heaven, you know, it gives you all these, you know, allegories, these types, and it says, it's got a street of gold. I mean, that's incredible. Crystal gold. I never saw gold that was crystal clear, but it defines that kind of gold. And whatever, whether it's real gold or not, think about what well, we use for asphalt, heaven's going to be gold. <laughs> But we're not going to worry about these things, pearly gates, whether they actually made it pearl. You know, the point is, we serve a God that has so much. We focus on the things here, right? I like what Billy Graham, he came up with this phrase. He says, when you, go, when you die, you can't take your stuff with you. He said, I never saw a Hertz hitched, on, hitched with a U-Haul truck. You can't take it with you. And you realize all the life that you spend on on getting these things, and sometimes those are the things that cause trials and tribulations. You, sometimes we bring it on ourselves. But when you do go to trials and tribulations, and you know you can, know that, hey, we need to be joyful, number one. Trials come your way, believers in Christ, rejoice, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience, endurance. Let God work in you, and it be that perfect and complete, we're lacking nothing, you know what that is? Lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. A Christian should not be in need. In need of more Jesus, and more of the Holy Spirit, and more of God, yes. God will take care of everything else. Where Jesus says, seek ye the kingdom first and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I want to leave you with this verse. Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, and I want to give it to you in the New Living Translation so it could really stand out to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, he writes this. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, this Dan. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for the word. We thank you for giving us instruction, Lord, on how we can deal with the trials that head our way. And Lord, now we know, based on your word, how and why. Yeah. And there shouldn't be a trial that comes to us that we cannot overcome in Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we, we thank you for your word. Just 11 verses, Lord. <laughs> it changed our way of thinking. It changed now our approach with trials. Lord, let us not handle any trials from here on in any different than to follow your word. May we rejoice knowing that you're doing the work, yeah. working in us, through us. You will be glorified. We thank you, Lord, because you are faithful when we are faithless. In Jesus' name. Have you asked God to help you? As I grew up, this was a common phrase used in conjunction with numerous situations, from lost items to important decisions to doing what was right in a difficult moment. It reminds me of the verse in James 1.5 that talks about asking God when you just don't know what to do. Also in verse 12, where James reminds Christians that the promise of heaven hinges not only on accepting the gift of salvation, but also standing firm in what you believe while resisting sin. Having faith in God is the stepping stone to real humility, love, patience, and growth. 
Are you feeling stagnant in your relationship with God? Do you need someone in your corner? If so, here's Jessica with an invitation just for you. Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what's shared will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program. And we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. What a great invitation for those in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area. Just for you folks that aren't close and any who are interested, visit runningtheraceradio.com to not miss out on the many great ministry opportunities of Calvary Chapel of Milford. Our time has come to an end, but thank you so much for joining us today on this broadcast of Running the Race.